and we are back on Backseat Carpool Banter. I'm your host, Jonathan Silver, coming to you live from sunny South Florida. In today's special episode, I am joined by my co-host, Sam Kruchikov, and as always, a very special guest, Gary Reasons, former two-time Super Bowl champion linebacker for the New York Giants. Make sure to stick around and listen to Gary Reasons' stories and our great conversation. You don't want to miss this. Welcome to Backseat Banter. Welcome to the show, Gary. It's a pleasure to have you on. Well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right. So can you start by talking about the physical and the mental grind of playing nine seasons in the NFL at really one of the most involved positions? You eclipsed 670 tackles throughout your career. You were really involved in the most. So can you talk about that grind? You know, it has a physical toll on a guy. And, you know, when, you, when you're a young player, you know, you seem like you're invincible. But in all reality, uh, you, know, the, you know, it is a game where uh, just the physical, physical nature of it takes a toll on your body and, and mm-hmm. hopefully guys can get through it. I was very fortunate. I, I had a, a good long career. I never had any major injuries, uh, never had any surgeries from the game. So I, I, I got through it myself pretty well. But uh, it is a grind, and you have to both prepare mentally and physically to play. Uh, and you know, and as as you get a little more mature in your in your career in the NFL, uh, you understand how to pace yourself and how to make that uh, long season you know be uh, be doable and mm-hmm. have some success with it. Yeah. So, how do you prepare mentally? Uh, you go from season to off season. You're playing every season, like you know, you're you're not looking mostly towards the future you're playing in the present you're playing in the now how do you prepare yourself for anything that comes your way in one of the most physical sports on the planet you know i had a couple of great uh, coaches and mentors to be able to help set this set, you know set the tone there well, bill parcells our head coach and bill belichick our defensive coordinator uh, both of them were I would say masters at preparation. Uh, and that's what really sets them apart. And it really helped us as our team had, has come together. When, when, when I joined the Giants in 1984, along with Carl Banks, Jeff Hostetler, William Roberts, uh, you know, all of us came uh, together in 1984. And we kind of had a growth of our team. And when we got there, we understood that it's a, there's a level of work ethic that you have mm-hmm. to go through. And, mm-hmm. and it's, a, it's about team. And Parcells did a great job of focusing us on this is about us. It's about the team. It's not about any individual. Uh, and we played a team, a team sport. Um, and we played in a very uh, physical uh, era. We had a very physical team. And our defense mm-hmm. was, was, was just that. So when we would have to prepare, we prepared both physically and mentally about our game plan, our opponent. Uh, and all those different things, but you have to put in the work to do that. And by uh, being prepared both mentally, you know, with a lot of, a lot of preparation with game tape review and as well as game plan and then executing that in, in, in practice and then getting into the game and then executing, that's what it's all about. So you've got to put the combination of the mental aspect of it as well as the physical aspect of it together. And hopefully the result is, is what you look to achieve. Yeah, it's, you're always hoping that it culminates into that, that final uh, moment where you're standing there and you're holding up the trophy, right? Uh, 
so you were talking about you had two of the most legendary coaches in Bill Parcells and Bill Belichick. Can you talk about uh, learning that system? Because uh, I'm, I'm sure there, there's some stories there of uh, the, the, some teaching moments and the back and forth that, that you would have with, with those guys. Can you talk about some stories from that? Well, you know, we, we played a 3-4 defense. And luckily for me, all my days through high school and college, I basically pe- played a 3-4 defense. And mm-hmm. so when I came to New York in, the, in 1984 in the training camp, uh, actually it started in minicamp in the spring when we first came together, I, I felt like I, I, I had been playing this my entire career because that, that's mm-hmm. what the Giants played, 3-4 defense. Mm-hmm. And I fit right in. And, you know, it was pretty apparent to the, to the coaching staff that uh, – I, I did know my, my, my assignments and, and things that were I was able to do from that position instead of something that I would have to learn. So for me, I had an on-ramp that was pretty already prepared. But then the little bit of the techniques. Uh, in the NFL, you know, you'll find, guys, that most coaches are not there to give you those, those um, things about playing your position that you're expected to have. They, they know you're, you're a linebacker. They know you can play or if you're a defensive mm-hmm. back or a defensive lineman. They know you've got skill. What they're there to do is to give you the, finding, the, the fine-tuned coaching points that can put you in a position to be successful on the field. So that's kind of what mm-hmm. defines a coach. A coach is someone who is able to put you in a position to where you can execute the game plan, or you find a little bit of a niche or something you find on, on film that you share with a player and you talk to them about it and say, hey, this is something that this player does and you're going to be able to use this to your advantage if you see this mm-hmm. happen. And so those little things about preparing it, and you, you can't find those things unless you unless you really dig into it and, and look at your opponent and really understand who you're playing and what, you're, what it's going to be all about. So, you know, that's kind of how we approach it. We've watched a lot of game tape. Uh, we've watched a lot of, uh, we actually had uh, times where we would go into a meeting and, and Belichick would, would uh, open it up to the floor of players and say, guys, what are you seeing on tape? And we'd have dialogue about the specific players. What are their tendencies? What do they, what do they do? And, you know, having that understanding of the group as well as individually about the guys that you're playing against, you know, creates a base of knowledge that we, you know, we, we, we uh, achieved and understood about our opponents and and you know we did that and we built that over time so when you play together with a bunch of guys 20 25 guys over the course mm-hmm. of time uh that we had for the first six seven years in new york together we we built a, a really strong nucleus of players that all went about our preparation the same way yeah you guys were kind of the heart of the team the defense was probably one of the best defense we've seen in giants history how how did it feel being able to, to study the film and being successful in winning your first Super Bowl against Denver in 1986 and the Giants' first Super Bowl since 1956. How, how did that moment feel when, when you are getting that trophy for the first every, time? Yeah, every player that gets to the NFL, you know, their goal is to win a Super Bowl, right? So that, that's mm-hmm. kind of what you start at. That's the big carrot that's out there at the end of it. But getting to that point, the length of the NFL season, it's really difficult. It's really hard. How mm-hmm. do you navigate through it? you got to fight through injuries. You've got to fight through different weather conditions. You've got to fight through just the length of the, of the NFL season, which is really can, take, can really can take a toll on players, mm-hmm. your psyche, you know, the media, all the things that go into it. Um, and so for us, you know, it was an op- uh, opportunity to grow as a team, as a group. And we did that. And mm-hmm. 
I'll tell you guys this, that winning a Super Bowl is actually less satisfying as probably getting to the Super Bowl. Oh, wow. Because mm. you, have to, you have to win the tournament, so to speak, in the NFC mm-hmm. and the AFC. You've got to win the tournament first to get into the game. And then when you have a chance to prepare, you get a couple of weeks to, to prepare for the game. Then you go out and execute, and then you hopefully win the ball game. When I played in the, in the two, obviously we won the, the two ball games back in mm-hmm. you know, the first two Super Bowl championships that the Giants have. So that, that, those were good times and good memories for me. Uh, and so when we when we tried to approach it, I, I always I always tell folks all the time that to me the most exciting game that I ever played as a New York Giant was in nineteen early nineteen eighty seven when we had to beat the Washington Redskins in the NFC Championship game. That will have been for the third time because mm-hmm. we had played them twice previously that year in the NFC East and. The Redskins made it to the NFC Championship game along with us. Well, it was back in Giant Stadium in our home in our home turf, and it was really an electric evening. It was it was really fun. Um, you know, the stands were buzzing, confetti flying around. Literally, it was a it was a, a moment that we could you know you could cut it with a knife. It feels like it was so palpable that you could you could reach out and, and, and touch the fans. And, uh, everybody was really hyped, and so that was the most special moment that I ever I ever experienced as a player. With the with the Giants fans in the stands, and nobody wanted to leave the stadium. Nobody wanted to go home. <laughs> we all wanted to celebrate together there at that mm-hmm. time. Although we still, in a couple of weeks, had to had to you know get our our win against Denver. But that was the most special time because it was a culmination for for us as a team, coaches, players, the whole organization, but also a way to celebrate with the Giants fans in the stands and. Uh, Yeah, and what a memory that was, right? Because that led directly into, like you said, the Super Bowl. So can you talk about, you mentioned that you played against really one, one of the rivals uh, for the Giants in at the time the Redskins, now it's the Washington football team. Uh, how do those rivalry games feel? Is there a little bit more electricity in the air when you're playing against a team that there, there's a historic rivalry brewing there? Well, actually, the NFC East was uh, one of the team, one of the, the top, the divisions last in in the '80s and '90s that really had a lot of strength and a lot of a lot of teams that, that you know just played very very well, and we we showed real very well in big games. So you take the Redskins, Washington, how they played back in the day, and, mm-hmm. and Philadelphia, and even the Dallas Cowboys. So all all of us had uh, great times, great memories, great moments. And you knew that when you were playing an NFC East team, you knew that it was going to be a very physical game, a very physical time. Mm-hmm. You know, across the league, the game was kind of morphing and changing. And, you know, in the, in the NFL, you had the, uh, uh, the West Coast style of offense, which was kind of the prelude, the, mm-hmm. the spread offense in, in the NFL. Uh, that, that was emerging. Uh, and, you know, some other teams were try, trying to go that route. So, but it was still a very, a very physical uh, game or style of game that we, most teams played in the NFL. And the Giants and the and Washington team, as well as Philadelphia, we, we were all on top of, of, uh, of, of our games on the physical mm-hmm. physical level. So whenever teams played an NFC East team, they realized it was going to be a, a tough ball game. Yeah, it, it's always a tough game, especially when you are going against those those physical rivals. 
Uh, but let's talk now. Let's transition into. So you won the Super Bowl in uh, 1986, and there was a few years between that one and the other one that you won the second one. So talk about the years in between. I think those are the ones always get overshadowed when looking at the history. But we want to know the the inside scoop there. So what were the the years between uh, the first and the second Super Bowl like? Well, I tell you what, uh, you know, for us in 1986, we won that game for the season 14 and two in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And we actually had a, a really good run in the playoffs. And it, I think it turned out uh, that we were um, long-term success in the NFL. So mm-hmm. I think that what, what happens is that teams, they're, they're not necessarily built for success. And I think we were built for success the way our team was drafted and so forth. Well, post our first Super Bowl season, I'm back, come back to 1987. Unfortunately, we have a, a major hiccup in sports business. Uh, mm. We went on strike in 1987. So we, uh, we as players, you know, had a work stoppage. And for, for us, in 1987, it was just resolved. It took four weeks really to get into the season. But the teams had put replacement players out there to play those games mm-hmm. early in the season. And uh, the team that the Giants uh, pulled together weren't, wasn't very good. So they, they went 0-4. Uh, and so we carried that as a record to start our season when we when one of our team came back to play. And, uh, and it really wasn't, uh, wasn't a great season whatsoever. So we, we had some difficulty there. Didn't, uh, didn't, didn't achieve like we would have. But beyond that, we, we kind of had a, a great nucleus of players to continue to build in playoffs and so forth in 89 90 88, 89, 90, and, and into our second Super Bowl, Super Bowl 25 in 1990, the 90-90 season. And it was, um, it, it was just something that we had a lot of guys that played together. Uh, our team uh, kind of fed off each other, and we had a lot of, a lot of um, understanding of you know, what everyone does and how to, how to, how to work together. Mm-hmm. So our, while it might seem like it was a long time from 86 to 1990, it was, to us it was fairly short. We were still making playoff runs and so forth, and and, uh, but it was it wasn't until 1990 that we had a real another dominant season. We went uh, uh, in that season thinking that we were almost invincible uh, with with Phil Sims and how well he was playing. We were we were having a great season. Unfortunately, he uh, he got injured late in the year, and, and then uh, Jeff Hostetler, who had come in with me in 1984 with the Giants, uh, he, he got a chance to play, and you know our Super Bowl 25 victory was uh, was in the making. I'm surprised that you said the NFC Championship in '86 was your, one of your favorite games because the NFC Championship in 1990, you did something historic in that game. Uh, due to your 30-yard fake punt, you and your team were able to beat the 49ers and advance to the Super Bowl. Talk about the trust that Coach Bill Parcells had to put in you to get that conversion and not only just get the conversion, but then go for 30 yards as well. Yeah, it's something that, uh, you know, you prepare for and you plan and you execute. And that's really what it's about. Uh, for me, in, in, in that game, I had, we had run that, that fake type of a fake uh, once previously, and I had gotten a first down on it uh, on that time as well. But uh, this one was a real big moment. Uh, it was mm-hmm. in the NFC Championship game. And, um, you know, I basically had the opportunity to, to, to audible to this at the line of scrimmage and and that's what I did. And I saw exactly what uh, San Francisco was doing on, on their punt return teams and, and, and how they were deploying. And it set up perfectly. Um, you know, good news for us is that, and for me, is that where I was going to run with the football, that 
player who, for whatever reason, did not show up on there. They only had 10 mm. players on the field. Oh, wow. And it, and it made it almost a lot more special to me to be able to just get through there and get going. <laughs> um, but, you know, I just I like to tell people that I hold the NFC uh, uh, National NFC Conference Championship game uh, rushing yardage leader. That's me. I'm the all-time rushing yardage leader for, for, per carry. So one for 30 yards. That's not too bad. But it set us up for a field goal. We went on to win the ball game. Great memories uh, after that. And while you were running, uh, you even pointed. Was that at the defender or the lack of the defender? Like, like you said, the, the well, 11th you know, man that hey, wasn't I'm there. Try, I'm trying to get my guys who are hopefully running with me to block <laughs> yeah. this guy. And, and uh, you know, they didn't. But I'll tell you this. That John Taylor, who was the punt returner, he is absolutely the NFL's best open field tackler there is. To, to, to take out me, you know, you know big <laughs> linebacker and just uh, cut, cut me out of my, of my legs. He did a great job. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what a play! It's it's gonna be remembered in, in Giants history forever. It seems like, and talk about the the difference between that NFC Championship and the first one because you said the first one was probably one of your favorite. How does it go from you making a a crazy crazy play like this to win the game to probably one of the most insane rivalries in football? How do those two differ? Yeah, we had a great rivalry with the 49ers as well because mm -hmm. they were, at the time, they were uh, in their Super Bowl era where they were trying to give, do a three-peat, and just we, we didn't let it happen in 1990 to let them get back mm -hmm. to, the, to the Super Bowl. So, so that ended for them, and, you know, our, our, uh, our team was just playing at a very high level. And it, was a, it was a fun era uh, to be able to play, still physical, but, you know, whenever we played the 49ers, guys, it was a very – technical football game, offense, to mm -hmm. defense. Both teams knew each other. We knew about each other. We had played earlier in the season, and that, I believe, the seven to three or something, the outcome of the ball game early on in that season, you know, it's really not a whole lot of scoring in that ball game. Very technical, a mm -hmm. lot of defense, and, and just the field position game. That's kind of what it was back then. We, we played a lot of technical aspects of it, and uh, we really enjoyed competing against the 49ers because, obviously, they, you know, they had uh, – uh, Super Bowl uh, hierarchy that they had created and, and, and their, uh, with their team. And, you know, when you play the best, you get the best, your best shot. And so when, you know, when those teams played us, we always knew that we were going to get that team's best shot because we were, we were one of the best teams in the league. Yeah, you really were one of the best teams in the league. So uh, it brings out the competition in everybody. There is one play. saw it's known i guess around uh the world as the hit this was week 14 in the 1989 season uh it was a goal line stand i, I believe it was against the broncos and you jumped over your defender or your, your lineman and just kind of knocked the running back out <laughs> can, can, can you talk about that play what's going on through your head you were airborne there for a few seconds uh go, go through the emotions of that play well, we were in Denver, and we, we really needed to win this ball game. It was in 1989, the next mm -hmm. season, late in the year, and, and we needed to win this ball game to have a chance to get in the playoffs. Uh, and mm -hmm. if we didn't, then you know our, our season chances for that were dwindling to get into the playoffs. So it was late in the ball game, and you know Denver had had a great drive on that drive, and they moved the ball. It was a long drive. I think they started inside their 20-yard line, and then they, they pushed it all the way down. I made a bunch of tackles on that drive, but, you know, unfortunately they still, they still uh, kept coming. And, mm -hmm. but lo and behold, on, on fourth down and fourth and goal, 
Uh, you know, they line up in, in, a, in a formation that, uh, you know, I prepared for. We understand what they could do out mm-hmm. of that formation. And so, you know, you understand what the play is. And so immediately as the ball was snapped, I knew what the ball, the play was going to be. Mm-hmm. And off direct from, from uh, John Elway to his running back. Uh, and, you know, we, you know, he, I knew where he was going to go. So I, I took a pretty good dive and, uh, you know, I, I got airborne pretty good. I had a pretty good <laughs> hang time and I, mm-hmm. I was able to get, get back there and, and smack, you know, mm-hmm. so it was, it was, it was a good contact play. You can see the ear pad fly out of the helmet. If you look at the, look at the clip pretty closely, and, wow. you know, back in the Northeast in, in 1989, when that game was going on, it was, it was a snowed in weekend. So mm-hmm. all the, all the fan, Giants fans were out, were home watching, watching this game. And, and it created a lot of fanfare post the game for me for, for weeks after that, because most people were, were watching the game. Uh, and anytime that I'm in the Northeast and out about talking to Giants fans, uh, there's two plays that, that, that come up. This is one of them up in the 1989 game, but this hit, the hit, they called it, mm-hmm. it was the hit of the decade in the NFL um, and one of the top 10 greatest hits of all time that they've had on the, on the, they don't play those videos anymore because they don't want the physicality of it. But that, that's kind of what, what, what it is, and, um, and it's just great memory. So I've, I've had some very memorable plays, including the fake punt and, and others in my career. And it's, it was a very, very fun one. Yeah, speaking of Giants fans, uh, our coach at Day Trooper Sports and Travel Camp, he's a, he's a really close friend of ours, Andy Deegan, is a diehard Giants fan. And we told him you were coming on the show, and he – he needed to ask you a few questions. So we're, we're going to give you some of his questions here. Is there anyone else in Lawrence Taylor's league when you talk about the defensive GOAT? You were number 55 and he was number 56. What, talk about, you know, playing side by side with him. And is he in the conversation for the defensive GOAT? Uh, I think he is the defensive best player of all time, period. Mm-hmm. Um, he... You can you can take and compare him to any athlete in today's game at any position. He is literally that super, He was literally that superlative as an athlete. Guys, there isn't anything physically and uh, as an athlete that he could not do. Um, he may not have practiced. Wow. He might not have ever ever done it. But you just show him, show it to him, and, and, and ask him to do it, and he would tear it up. He literally could tear it up. So. All these things that players do now to prepare and coach as a, a defensive lineman or an outside linebacker who's a rush linebacker to prepare to get to the quarterback and do things, you know, like all the different rush techniques. These were all natural instincts for Lawrence. They weren't they weren't things that he went out and practiced. These are things that he just did automatically. Wow. And people are are just are just trying to emulate that type of play and the skills that he had that were just second nature to him. And he made so many physical plays that were just inhuman. Uh, it's just hard to really explain. So when they drafted me in 1986, excuse me, in 1984, and I go, go to play for the Giants, they, you know, they got a great linebacker. And I'm like, well, why did they draft me? <laughs> so let me tell you a quick little story. You'll get a quick, you'll get a kick out of this. So in 1984, I'm drafted to the Giants. We go to, go to minicamp. And we had, you know, had a chance to visit with some of the vets and practice with them a little bit. We come in after practice. We're going to watch the tape. Mm-hmm. Belichick is in the meeting room. And he says, vets, you guys are done. Get out of here. Go on. And so he had, he had, he kicked them out and he gets in his, sits in his chair, kicks his feet up on the table 
turns on the projector and, and he says, hit the lights. He goes, guys, if you want to play for the New York football giants, this is what it takes. And all the rookies are still in the room. So we're all there. It's about 15 of us. And we're watching a Lawrence Taylor highlight film from early in his career and all the different things that he would do. You know, mm-hmm. Lawrence, you know, this is just three years old tape. So he's covering kicks, covering punts. Blowing up quarterbacks, sacks, strip sacks, fumble, uh, cover, recovery, interceptions. It's literally a highlight film that you're like, this is Superman. You know, <laughs> and, and you're asking us to play like this. What, what, what are you, what are you, what are you, are you crazy? Mm-hmm. But the, you know, the thing about Lawrence, his tenacity and his effort, that is, it's just, it's just unnatural to people. He had that, in, you know, in a tremendous amount. Uh, it was just fun to watch and play with. And, uh, Glad he was on our side. Yeah, it's always nice to have a guy like that on your team, right? One of, if not, like you said, the best defender to do it. But there's also some stuff off the field because everything you, you just mentioned was on the field. What was your relationship with him like and the whole linebacker core there on that team? It, it was one of, if not the best linebacker cores really in NFL history. So uh, can you talk about what, what those relationships were like, not just on the field, but off the field as well? We had a great group of linebackers that came through there. Just, just, just imagine this, guys. We had linebackers at that time. We had eight of us that were 6'4", 245, or 250 pounds, and that's, hmm. that's our linebackers, okay? That's, that's how we played. All of us had, you know, had great skills and could run pretty well, so it was a rare group of, 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 a, of a meeting room that you're seeing. These, these big guys that are all athletic and can play, uh, and it was fun. Personally, I mean, all of them are great, uh, great memories. Good things happen when you when you win. You have a lot of you have a lot of camaraderie. You have a lot of mm-hmm. um, you know teams, um, you know things that come together. You know, post playing career, post championships, we have reasons to get back together. Our Super Bowl championship from from Super Bowl twenty one and Super Bowl twenty five. We've had numerous numerous uh, events where we've gotten together over the years and come together and and. and you know, the stories get a little better, a little bigger over time of, uh, <laughs> of what we all remember. But it's what, what's amazing is that when we sit together and get and come together, it's like we never left the locker room. Wow. It, it's just it's just that camaraderie that you have as, as a brother. Uh, and these all these all men are that are just just like you. And, um, you know, we're always going to be connected uh, together in time because of our, our teams, our championships and, and what we accomplished. And uh, it was a really, really fun ride. Yeah, it, it, it sounds incredible. And one of the memories that you would share is one that I'm sure was really, really tense. And that is in the second Super Bowl, it really did come down to the final drive. There was a field goal that Buffalo had to win the game. So talk about the entire moment, just step by step of how uh, you, you saw the, the ball go up into the air and then just miss and the, the overwhelming sense of, okay, we want it again. We're back to the promised land. Well, the good news is, is that, uh, you know, we stopped them at least enough to where we thought, I felt that, that uh, the range of that potential kick when they were mm-hmm. driving the football and trying to move down into our territory to, to set up to kick a winning field goal. So at 47 yards, that was, you know, pretty much at the top of Scott Norwood's, uh, um, you know, kicking capability, and mm-hmm. but uh, probably he could he probably make six out of eight of those kicks, is my guess, is if, if on a given day, seventy five percent. So he'd probably have a seventy five percent make. But you know, there's a lot of things going into that, and mm-hmm. uh, you know, 
our guys put did a great job. I wasn't on the on the PAT block team or field goal block team, but the, the team that was out there, great effort, pressure. So all those things together in the biggest biggest moment of our of our lives. And you know, he pushed the kick a little bit and just to put outside right. So Scott Norwide is is how I remember him, and, I'm, and it just brings back great memories. Yeah, I mean, talk about a game that it's probably very nerve wracking in a sense, like. You, you do your job, you get the stop, you stop them from driving, and then you're off the field, you can't do anything, but just watch. You, you have no control of what goes on next. Nobody has control other than the kicker. I'm sure both sidelines were just waiting to see the outcome of this one kick. And how, how did just the nerves play into effect, like when watching it from the sideline? You know, I, I just... What's going to happen is going to happen. It takes over at that point. You're, you're, you relinquish the fact that you've played as much as you could that day, as hard mm-hmm. as you can. Both teams laid it out there on the field. And if he made the kick, Buffalo would have won a Super Bowl. If he, if he didn't make the kick, we, we, we did. And uh, as it turned out, it, it, you know, it went our way. Um, you know, they had a great club that you know, went to four consecutive Super Bowls. Unfortunately, they didn't get it done on any of those. But uh, you know, they had a great legacy, and Jim Kelly and that group, they, you know, they're to be applauded to be one of the best teams of, of all time in that era. Uh, unfortunately, they just didn't get a Super Bowl championship. So mm-hmm. four AFC championship games is, is a nice little calling card, you know, have on your on your resume as a career for that football team. But, uh, you know, Super Bowl victory, we get to hang that one up. Yeah. Yeah, you really do. Um, and going from one Tampa Bay Super Bowl to another uh there's a big game coming up in tampa bay uh what are your predictions uh uh hometown buccaneers or the young guns in kansas city well i i love this game i love the matchup um i'm a i'm a big patrick mahomes fan i've I've been a broadcaster guys for Mm -hmm. for 25 six seven years and uh, i called uh, patrick mahomes first ever uh game as as a starter at texas tech um, and I've seen him play numerous games out there. When he got in the NFL, his game really just blossomed. It, it, it has just been on display, and you know the, the the ability that he has physically, and I think the way he has taken to Andy Reid and his offense and what it does, and the talent that they have, they are hard to stop. I mean, they're hard matchups because they just got so many weapons on the offensive side of the ball that are explosive in nature. And it's really difficult for a defense to take any element away, let alone two or three elements away. So when you game plan for an offense, most times you're able to kind of zero in on what they do best. They do it all well because they and they've got multiple pieces that can hurt you. Um, you know, with, with Travis Kelsey and and Tariq Hill and all, all those guys, it, it, it's it's just crazy of what the. I think that that's a, a an offense that is just really almost unstoppable and you put Patrick Mahomes back there orchestrating it, it's tough. But on the other side, you look at, um, you know, Big Tom and, and Tom in one year has gone from a team that fell out of the Super Bowl graces into a, another team. And he just literally flipped the culture, flipped the team. Mm-hmm. Guys, mm-hmm. I tell you, it is really, really hard to change the overall culture of an NFL team over several years, let alone one year. Mm-hmm. And to make the be the difference maker that Tom has been there, you know, it's not just mm-hmm. him, but his leadership and his ability and his drive and, and the way he orchestrates the offense, he, he demands excellence because that's the level that he's played at over the years. 
on the Bill Belichick's teams in New England. And it's, 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 a, it's a guy that, you know, you have to look at as the greatest quarterback of, of all time. There's no doubt about that. He has, he has proven that with this, with this effort this season, that his mm-hmm. skills are, are, are really what has, what has taken this team to it. And there are a good complement of players on that team as well. But uh, it should be a very, very fun Super Bowl. So the guys that don't make the biggest, most mistakes, and those are usually turnovers in the game. Uh, if you can keep your turnovers to a minimum or none, you'll have a good chance to be there at the end right in the podium. Yeah, and, you know, he, he's Tom Brady. We all know what he's done. He, this is his 10th Super Bowl. He's got a chance to win his seventh ring, and that's just incredible. I, I said it in the uh, NFC Championship round on our podcast. Don't bet against Tom Brady. Just don't do it. Uh, and it turns out he has as many – NFC championships as Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees already in his first season in the NFC, which is just a crazy stat when you think about how you can change the culture. They went from 40-something interceptions last year to 17 this year, and it was just an incredible culture shift that one guy was able to do. But, you know, when you talk about Tom Brady's resume, he he's competing for his seventh, so he, he lost a few, and that's in large part due to the Giants' knocking them out, Eli Manning era. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you want to talk about that kind of transition well, to watching your team compete in the Super Bowl and, and beat the GOAT? Well, you know, you got to talk, take a look at Tom Coughlin and, and his leadership and, and things that he put together with uh, with their quarterbacks. And, you know, I, with Manning, Eli did a great job with a couple of championships that he had and, and the leadership of Tom Coughlin is there, and then the other players come around that Michael Strahan and company. Mm-hmm. You know, they had they had talent too on both sides of the football. Uh, you know, for the Giants organization to have those four Super Bowl championships, I think is 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 tremendous, and uh, very very proud of of our era, and then the, the the next era of winning winning championships for the Giants. So you know, we're kind of a big group of of successful mm-hmm. successful guys. Then you look up in the Northeast, and you start looking at, at New England. And there's a guy up there named Bill Belichick who kind of started with us and took that success to, to New England. Um, and it's really it's what it's what it's all about, you know. And Tom Coughlin was on Bill Parcells' staff, and you know he's that same principal type of coach. It's structure, it's discipline, it's organization, and most importantly, preparedness. You've got to be able to be prepared for just about anything in the league and have an ability to do that. And then from there, it comes down to play and execution. So the players have to play; they have to execute. And then they have to play for each other. Um, mm. Those teams do that. And, and Tom is doing that same thing with New England. He's pulled that team together. They've had the pieces. They've had the coaching. It just hasn't fallen together. You mentioned a, a, a number about his, his statistics this year as far as interceptions. Um, anytime a team is low on turnovers, they're going to be there in football games because that's just mm-hmm. the nature of it. It's just opportunities. When an offense has an opportunity to have the ball and you don't give it up, Hey, this is a, this is a, a story that's long, you know, it's long overdue or not in vogue anymore. But guess what? It's okay to punt in the NFL. You know, mm-hmm. in college, you almost have to score sometimes at will because you know you got just you know pass uh, going back and forth these high power mm-hmm. offenses. But in the, in the NFL, you know, it's it's been it's an art, a field position, and still you can still punt and win football games. But those teams that turn the ball over instead of punting. Unfortunately, the bad things happen when those turnovers happen and they get better field position and, and yield, mm-hmm. yield points as a result. So Tom's negated a lot of that. 
Um, you look at the, the, the Chiefs, they played, they played very, very smart football, but the turnovers are, are low on their team as well. These are two teams that are, are used to holding on to the football and being successful when they have it and, and winning games. So this sets up as a great Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, we're very excited over here at Backseat Banter for the Super Bowl. And this actually transitions very nicely into our final topic of the day. And you, you were bringing up the differences between the NFL and college sports. And you were actually inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame in 1996. And you still cover the game today. Can, can you talk about those experiences after your your playing career is done, still covering the, the game played at the highest level? You mentioned that you covered Patrick Mahomes' first game. Uh, what, what are some other uh, incredible memories that you've had from, from that experience? Well, guys, I've, I've been blessed to be a part of uh, football for my entire entirety of my uh, almost career here in life. And, you know, I started playing football when I was eight years old, and now I'm 58. So 50 years of football that I've been a part of player, you know, as a, as a, as a coach, as a broadcaster, uh, it's really been uh, been a great career for me. And, you know, some of the unique things for me in broadcasting, I, I've worked with Keith Jackson, okay? You know, Keith at ABC Sports is very, <laughs> is regarded as the voice of college football. You know, early on, bringing to television that voice, uh, he, uh, he, he did a great job. I've worked with Brent Musburger. Uh, you know, I worked with Terry Gannon. I've worked with Mark Jones, from ABC and ESPN and all, you know, most of those guys I've worked with. And then I've worked 20 plus years with Fox Sports covering co college football all over the country, mm -hmm. but primarily here in the South and, and I'm in the Dallas area and I, I've covered the Big 12 Conference. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. It's been enjoyable for me and seeing the game emerge and change. Well, here in Texas, the Texas high school football landscape is also very big. And I've been blessed to be able to cover uh, for the last several years some of the state high school championship games that we have at AT&T Stadium in Arlington, mm -hmm. the home of the Dallas Cowboys. And it's just a thrill for those kids to go out there and play. But some of the things that have kind of emanated from, from that uh, college experience and seeing the emergence of football is really about the, the, the passing game in the NFL and, and, and the college game and really the high school game. So mm -hmm. in high school, what they call the spread offense, it's really simple. You're trying to get your best players out in space, let them – get the ball out there quickly and just and, and execute and outrun everybody. In college, you're still trying to do that to a degree. And in the NFL, the athletes, they're, they're all over the field. So that's not <laughs> as easy to do. But the evolution of the passing game has really, um, really been uh, what has happened over the last 25, 30 years in all levels of football. And it's the skill level. You start looking at the Terry Bradshaws of the world who, you know, if he was having a 63 or 65% completion percentage, hey, that's a great completion mm -hmm. percentage. Well, today, 70, 75, even 80 percent uh, completion percentage in games or even seasons is attainable for these for these quarterbacks. And it comes down to one thing, throwing and catching execution. So in high school here in Texas and most of the country, they have these summer leagues that are seven on seven. All the seven on seven passing leagues, what are they doing? They're throwing, they're catching, they're executing. And so the high level of execution there is really what has changed the game into the most uh, way to elevate the game to, you know, more scoring, more fan enjoyment, and in a lot of ways, uh, uh, tough to play defense on uh, on any side of the ball in any, <laughs> any league, in any conference, at any level. So uh, those are some purpose, some thoughts about it. But overall, uh, it's just been a great ride for me to be a part of football for 50 years and, and it's still going. Yeah, and this conversation has also been a great ride. We appreciate you joining the show, Gary Reasons, former NFL linebacker, two-time Super Bowl champ for the New York Giants. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it as well.
Yeah, if you guys are listening on Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave a rating and consider following. Thank you so much. This has been another episode of Backseat Carpool Banter. We'll see you next time.